All right. Well, welcome to this session. We're going to look at a few examples of the historical reliability of the Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures. And I'd like to go backwards in history from about 600 BC to 1000 BC to a few of the very well-known common examples of artifacts or remains that we have from the land of Israel that correspond to the Bible and verify the persons, places, and events that are found in these examples in the Bible. And these events are not only believed by conservative scholars, but also by liberal scholars. Skeptics of the Bible also acknowledge the time frame, the time period, and the veracity of these examples corresponding to the biblical text. Even though they don't believe the biblical text, they still understand that at that point in the Bible, there is a real and genuine correspondence to history. So our first example is coming from 2 Kings, 2 Kings, and most of these will be from 2 Kings, 2 Kings, or the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 11, 2 Kings 23, 11. And he did away with the horses which the kings of Judah had given to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the official which was in the precincts, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. This event by King Josiah, he is destroying the idolatrous practices in his land and even in some parts of the northern kingdom or the formerly uh, kingdom of the north. There he's destroying the idolatrous practices. Well, in this case, we had even recently, just a couple of months ago, a news report of a discovery of this facility or this structure, this building, with various rooms, like it says here, the chamber of Nathan Melech the official, which was in the precincts. So they found this building with various rooms, and one of the things they found was an inscription that says, uh, chamber of Nathan Melech. Nathan Melech, the same name. And the date of that archaeological find dates to about 600 BC, which would correspond to the time of King Josiah. Our second example, our next example, is from 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 20. 2 Kings 20, 20. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? In this case, notice it says that Hezekiah, the king of Judah, made the pool and the conduit. This conduit or water tunnel was made during the time that King Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came to invade Judah and he besieged Jerusalem. And when he was coming, Hezekiah, in advance of it, made sure that if they besieged it, surrounded the city to prevent anyone from going in or coming out, that there would be plenty of water, a water flow, water source into the city that would not be accessible to the king of Assyria and his military. This is what King Hezekiah built. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you can get a tour of the city and the tour guide will take you to what is called, even today, it's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. They call it Hezekiah's Tunnel and this is the tunnel. Now also we can date 
Sennacherib, and if, if we read 2 Kings and him coming to invade Judah, we know that Sennacherib's arrival to Jerusalem was in 701 B.C. 701 B.C., which corresponds to the Assyrian Chronicles, which record how the Assyrian kings would go on foreign campaigns, military campaigns, and scholars call this campaign Sennacherib's second western campaign, because Assyria was to the north and to the east of the land of Israel. They call it his second western campaign, during which he besieged Jerusalem and tried to invade Jerusalem, attack it, and we know from Second, Chron uh, Second Kings that Hezekiah was able to withstand them because the Lord caused the miraculous death of 185,000 of Sennacherib's troops. Well, that corresponds to the events we see here. Hezekiah is alarmed. He prays to God, prays for deliverance, and then God delivers him, and that causes Sennacherib to be repulsed and go back and withdraw from invading Judah. Another example is from 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. 2 Kings 3, 4. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it came about when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And as we read the rest of this chapter, by the end of the chapter, the king of Moab, he successfully rebels against the king of Israel. Well, we have an inscription on a monument known as the Moabite stone, and he is the king of Moab, and it's also called the Mesha Stele, which is named after this king. Because after his victory against Israel and his freedom, he put up a monument and wrote an inscription on that monument describing how he was able to fend off and defeat the dynasty of Omri and Ahab. Ahab is in Omri's dynasty. He was able to defeat them and gain his independence. And he praises his gods. And in fact, he even says that the God of Israel was Yahweh, or the Tetragrammaton YHWH, which is mentioned by him. So that corresponds to this period in history, which would have been about 840 BC. The, the Bible, when we make a chronology of these events of the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, we also date it to about 840 BC, the date of this event. And it corresponds to the date of that Moabite stone, the Moabite monument. Let's go further back, and we'll go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. 1 Kings 12, 25. This is about what is known as Jeroboam's altar. Jeroboam's altar. 1 Kings 12, 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and lived there, and he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam king of Judah. 
and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves. And he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places, and made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month of the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which is in Judah. And he went up to the altar, thus he did, in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made. And he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. This Jeroboam, he was the first king of the northern kingdom when the tribes of Israel split after the death of Solomon, which event occurred about 930 BC, 930 BC. At that time, Rehoboam took the tribe of Judah and he remained in Jerusalem, but Jeroboam took most of the other tribes and formed his own kingdom in the north. According to this passage, he was concerned that the tribes of the north whenever they were obligated to go at least three times a year, their males were obligated to go at least three times a year, uh, a year to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the festivals, that eventually their hearts would be turned to Rehoboam and they would not ha have an allegiance to Jeroboam in the north. So what does he do? He institutes a priesthood, he institutes a festival, he institutes altars, and places of worship, and also he built two calves for them to worship. One in Bethel, which was in the southern part of the northern kingdom, not too far from Jerusalem, and then one in the extreme north, in a place called Dan, he built an altar there, so that they could go either there or go to Bethel, but avoid going to Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah. Well, there has been found an altar which archaeologists and scholars, they call it Jeroboam's altar, or the altar of Dan, meaning it's in the tribe of Dan, in the location of the ancient tribe of Dan, and they acknowledge that this Jeroboam is the one who built that altar. And even today you can go to Dan in Israel, and you can visit it and walk around where the remains of that altar have been, uh, has been excavated. And I've been there myself. I've been there and I've seen it myself. This is the altar, one of the altars that this Jeroboam built. And the date corresponds to the date of the reign of this king Jeroboam of the north. Further, one more thing that's related to this passage is in verse 26, 1226. Notice there, Jeroboam already he says, now the kingdom will return to the house of David. By house of David, he means household or dynasty of David. Because preceding him was Solomon for 40 years, and preceding Solomon was David for 40 years. Skeptics of the Bible have sometimes doubted the existence of David. The, the king David as an individual, as a king, and even his dynasty and his reign and his conquests, they have had doubts about him. 
as though it is a very late invention of the people of Israel or the Jewish people that they are in their legends and mythology trying to invent a glorious past in the reigns of David and Solomon. And so they think this expression house of David is a late invention to invent a glorious past. Well, there is an inscription called the Tel Dan inscription, which also dates to about 900 BC. It's called Tel Dan, uh, Tel T-E-L, meaning a mound or a hill. And so it is an inscription found that mentions the house of David, dating to 900 BC, which also shows that those skeptics who thought it was a later invention, perhaps in the time of Josiah or in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, somebody later, it was not an invention of that later period. It was actually an expression already used way back, right after the death of Solomon, at least that far. We do know if we believe the book of Kings and Samuel that it was already a dynasty. We do know it was a dynasty and, and named as such even before 1 Kings chapter 12. So we have to at least grant that by 900 BC, they knew of the house of David or the dynasty of David. Speaking of David, our last example is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse 8. 2 Samuel 5, 8. And David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, through the water tunnel. Therefore they say, The blind or the lame shall not come into the house. Now, the context of this is David, he has now solidified the 12 tribes. They are all under his kingship, and it's time to conquer the rest of the land of Canaan. One of the cities that still needs to be conquered is Jerusalem, and the Jebusites, one of the Canaanite peoples, they are the ones who inhabit Jerusalem, the mountains in the area of Jerusalem. And here, David is calling on his forces his own military to conquer Jerusalem and it says here through the water tunnel the water tunnel well this is a different one than Hezekiah's tunnel and archaeologists even today they refer to this water tunnel and you can go and visit this water tunnel in Jerusalem today and they call it the Canaanite tunnel or the Jebusite tunnel that's the name that they call it and it's found right here in 2 Samuel 5, verse 8. I hope that from these examples we can see that the Bible is not a book of fabrications. It's not a book of tales, stories, legends. It's no, there's no mythology. These events and these people are real events, and they fit in history, in time and space. My prayer is that this will give, you, give all of us confidence in the Bible and not have doubts when the clamoring voices of the world are shouting in our ears to cause us to disbelieve the Bible. Let's reject that and believe the Bible as reliable and inspired the Holy Word of God.